Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, I talk with Bryce Nakamura about teaching in a two-year college and at a Hispanic-serving institution in Central California, placement, transfer, student success, collaborative classroom practices, and online teaching. Bryce Nakamura has been an educator in California's Central Valley for over a decade. He is currently a professor at College of the Sequoias, where he teaches English composition courses. He holds an MA in composition theory from Fresno State and is finishing an MS in education with an emphasis in online teaching and learning from CSU East Bay. Bryce, thanks so much for joining us. I'm always interested in hearing more about students and institutional context. You teach at the College of the Sequoias, which is a two-year Hispanic-serving institution in Central California. What challenges or barriers do your students face, and in what ways has the College of the Sequoias and or your teaching and pedagogical practices helped overcome these challenges to support student success? One of the things that I, I can really speak to for sure um, are like placement tests and like below transfer level sequences that like we have done a lot of work at the California Community College level to sort of like undo. To kind of give you a little bit of a history, like when you're when you come into a community college, um, oftentimes you have to take a placement test, right? There's a yeah, you like to like a lot of it's very grammar based and very sentence structure based and things like that. But what we find is that a lot of these tests are very like sort of like disproportionately place students um, students of color particularly into like below transfer level sequences. So like instead of being straight into like a transfer level English one class they'll have to take a class one or two or sometimes even three levels below that. Meaning that like they'll have to go through a 300 level class, a 200 level class, a 100 level class, and then they can get into that English one class, for example. So at College of the Sequoias, we had two below transfer level classes. We had English 360, which is like a, like a basic skills writing class. We had uh, 251, which was a like college, like prep, like college writing prep class. And then there was the official English one, the college composition class that would then transfer to students, like transfer students on to um, like a Cal State or a UC. Um, so what's happening though, was like those, the placement tests that are the measures that we were using to, um, to place students in these classes is the majority of campuses were just using that test. They weren't looking at other um, <clears throat> multiple measures such as like high school GPA, number of courses they took in a sequence. And so for math and English, what happened was a lot of students were like, uh, students of color were, were placed into below transfer level classes. You look at the data for this and like the longer it takes you or the less likely you are to pass through and get through English one and transfer to an institution. Because, you know, so these aren't, some of these classes are six units apiece. Um, and some students are um, some students are like getting not not having to take just like a writing class there are some there are some institutions where there's two or three levels below transfer but there's a reading class and a writing class sometimes 10 units sometimes 16 to 20 units of college level of like of like pre pre-college level work before they can actually get into an english one class that will transfer to their um <clears throat> their thing so this data starts coming out, we start looking at success rates and throughput and things like that. And we start noticing this as, as a real equity issue kind of across the board. And some colleges 
start to respond to that. So there were kind of a couple of different measures. One was to accelerate the coursework. So instead of having students take two classes at COS, for example, um, we created a course that was a five unit course that was like an accelerated English class that was designed to help students get through that that remedial or, or like pre-transfer level work faster so that they could get into English one. Um, and that definitely helped um, our success rates. Um, but we received guidance from the chancellor and there was, um, an, there was a state, it was actually passed into our California Ed Code um, through Assembly Bill 705. Uh, there were a number of different measures that were used. Um, there were, the other thing that happened was um, we started um, implementing uh, multiple measures. So you couldn't just use a placement test anymore. And I think at this point, the majority of community colleges have done away with placement tests altogether. Um, and instead, we are looking at things like high school GPA in that we found that um, students who receive an overall high school GPA of 2.7 or higher, 75% of students will pass an English one, um, like if they're placed into that class with no, with no, with no, with no like extra support, with no remedial like pre-transfer level course they have to take before that. Um, so that was definitely something that we, we took as a, as a thing, as like something that we did. Um, a lot of institutions as well, like before that had had GPA requirements of 3.2, 3.5, and those kinds of things, which which really sort of like was a high barrier for students who were trying to get an English one and pass it. So that was definitely, I think, those are some of the biggest barriers that we've overcome, at least here in, at community colleges at Hispanic serving institutions. Is placing the majority of them into pre-transfer level classes, we're, we're harming our success rates, we're harming students' ability to complete their educational roles and, and get through English one. So I think those are two of the largest barriers that are facing students at Hispanic serving institutions. Bryce, I'm thinking about your institutional context, both as a two-year college and as an HSI. How do you draw on students' perspectives, their diverse perspectives and experiences and histories in your first year writing class? One of the things that I try to do is bring in some of those marginalized voices wherever I can. So like um, one of my favorite texts to, to um, have students read at least portions of is Richard Rodriguez's The Achievement of Desire, uh, or Hunger for Memory, I think is what it's called. Um, and so we'll read a chapter or two of that, which is always really good. Um, I try to also like incorporate students' own like perspectives and beliefs into some of the units that I teach. Um, for example, um, there's, a, there's a unit that I'll teach on monsters and have students research like a cultural icon or, or like a monster. And so like, at a Hispanic serving institution, some students um, from like Hispanic backgrounds may choose to write about La, La Llorona, I'm saying that terribly and I apologize, um, or, or like Chupacabra, like those kinds of things are, are oftentimes sort of like brought in um, as, as like texts and things that they're looking at. So they're researching like, like accounts of those monsters in history. Um, they're looking at sort of like the background and sort of like their own, you know, like they may, I had a student once who like interviewed her grandma who had witnessed uh, a chupacabra back in her village. And so like that was an authentic text for that research paper that a student like conducted an interview for. Um, so that was kind of a really fun unit to teach and I do enjoy it. Um, there's another instructor who, who does this as well. And I actually like kind of like took this idea from her, if you, if I can call it that, like we're instructors, we all steal from each other all the time. Um, but she, um, she goes into like podcasts about serial killers. There's a textbook she reads with it called, I think it's track, tracking the chupacabra. 
Um, so kind of students really focus on um, that particular monster for their for their things. And, and that text is about like sort of looking for and finding the chupacabra and then would then look at um, those like those sort of like cultural artifacts. It sounds like there's a vast opportunity or opportunities to explore culture and community at an HSI into your college. What are some other unique advantages about teaching in your institutional context? I think that um, we are like at kind of, uh, how do I say this? Like we're, we're kind of poised. I'm thinking, I thought about this question kind of in terms of like the like COVID-19 crisis that we're currently faced with. And I feel like we're kind of poised to sort of be one of the best places for, for people to bounce back. We're kind of poised to help them sort of like enter back into the workforce, retrain, gain more education to move up or advance in their career. And that like, we're not worried about enrollments. We're not worried about like losing funding. And while we are maybe concerned about like state budgets and things like that, but a, a place where the community can sort of like rally and regroup uh, in light of sort of like the, the COVID-19 crisis, I think is maybe the way I thought about that question. What you're talking about reminds me of your institution's mission statement. So the College of the Sequoia's mission statement says that Sequoia's Community College District is dedicated to student learning, success, and equity by providing transfer education, basic skills, and workforce development for our diverse student population. How does this mission affect your teaching? Um, like, I, I really appreciate the mission of COS um, and that, like, we are, like, and the mission of Hispanic-serving institutions in general, just because we are, like, we're serving a group that has maybe been marginalized, um, like, kind of in the world of academia, um, <clears throat> like, and so, like, we are a place where, where students can feel welcome, um, especially student, like, students of color um, can feel welcome and can feel, like, encouraged because we are an institution that is, like for them specifically in a lot of ways like we all recognize that many of our students are like our first generation students like are coming to school like through daca very sensitive to that and so we work to like serve and 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 like protect really um those groups of students um for example i believe there was uh, a couple of years ago there was a push by the current administration um to sort of like ask for DACA records, um, and I might understand, I, you might have to, like, I might have to go back and double check this, but I believe that, like, COS kind of put out a statement saying that, like, we, we won't release that, and so, like, like, we work to sort of, like, help students, because many of our students are, like, the sons and daughters of migrant workers who came here um, and brought their children, like, like, you know, with them, or students who came here and were born here to, to families who weren't natural citizens, um, and so that's definitely something that we are sensitive to and that we are very like, like sort of like work to serve those groups. What are some sustainable classroom or program practices that help support students at the College of the Sequoias? I think that one of the things that I, that I really strive for in my class is to um, teach students like how to be good students, especially early in the semester. I wanna help them build kind of those skills. Like um, I feel like a lot of times my students aren't like when a student is not successful in my class um it's it's usually because of like their like like just like student skills maybe were lacking or things like that um and so like i try to help really build up those skills early in the semester with things like uh, a detailed canvas tour um 
to help them get used to the learning management system. You know, a lot of students, this is their first time in college, this is their first time using Canvas, first semester especially. Um, so they may be like, I'm very new to Canvas and none of my other instructors are using it, so what do I do with it? Um, so I try to give them like a really detailed tour of it with like a video, um, with me kind of explaining things. Um, I also try to make sure that I'm teaching them um, to sort of dedicate time every week to their, their classes, um, making sure that they're scheduling it. So like, you know, like Wednesdays from six o'clock to eight o'clock, I'll work on my business communications classwork. Um, you know, Friday mornings I have time, so I'll work on my English homework then, uh, those kinds of things. And to make sure that they're sharing that with their families um, so that like they're sort of like aware that like, hey, like I really need to study, especially um, students who are taking multiple online classes um, because we are like their families may like may not necessarily respect that. Um, so it's important for them to be like defensive of that time um, because I know that students are managing um, different demands with family obligations, with needing to work. Um, and so like it's important that their family is on board. Um, and so like sharing that with their family members um, is definitely like a key component as well. Also like to make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're doing things like checking in the day that the module starts, right? Like, so if the module opens up on Monday and things are due Thursday, make sure you check in on Monday and just, you know, 20 minutes, you know, 30 minutes, just kind of read through the assignments, check if there's like a module overview page, make sure that you're reading through those things. Um, like uh, one of the first assignments in my class is just to send me an email. Um, and I teach them a little bit about like email etiquette, um, just because I feel like that's something that's always expected of students. Like I always hear instructors like, ah, students don't know how to send proper emails. And I'm like, that's because nobody's teaching them. So that's like an easy first assignment in the first week, just to get them turning something in is like, you know, watch this short video about, about email etiquette and then send me an email introducing themselves. Um, because that gets them practice with using, using the email system that we have through Office 365. Um, but also opens up like a, a, a line of dialogue between us so that if they're struggling with something, it's not awkward in week six when they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this assignment or I'm struggling with this piece of technology. They know that they can contact me like that. That email chain is already up somewhere that they can just find it, reply to the message and say, hey, I'm having a problem with this. Or can you explain more about this? Like it just makes that that communication easier later in the semester. Um, because like students are definitely like at, at a community college at a maybe maybe this isn't unique to Hispanic serving institutions but um the perception that we're like like scary and don't want to deal with students and like you know those kinds of things and that they're like sort of like intruding on our time but they're not like I have I have student hours where every week where I just sit and wait for students to come and like hang out with me or ask questions um so that's definitely something um, that I do to sort of like help sort of like build up like pedagogy, like student success strategies are just baked into my pedagogy. Jumping off of how you build these practices to support students and to help familiarize them with classroom goals and expectations, I'm interested in hearing more about how you reconstruct the English classroom a bit because of students' maybe perhaps their their previous negative experiences with writing or in traditional English classrooms? Yeah, sure. So like um, you're, you're saying that, and I'm thinking specifically about like workshop feedback um, and so many students, like myself included, we've had experiences with like getting feedback from an instructor on an essay and you get it back and it's just covered in red ink and things like that. Um, and so one of the things I do with students early in the semester is I try to just kind of get that out in the open and, and talk about feedback 
Um, and we shared, and like I asked them to share experiences, like what's the, what's the most critical piece of feedback you've ever received? And I share my own. I asked them also about like, what's maybe the most helpful or the most like beneficial piece of feedback you've ever received. This might be something I do before we were to like, like exchange straps for a peer review in class um, to just set norms about like, we're gonna make sure that we, we give constructive criticism, but also that we are like sort of like praising or like, like, you know, like acknowledging things that are working in the writing because it feels good to sort of have that positive feedback. And I try to bring that into different contexts. You know, many of my students might play video games, for example, or something like that. And so I talk about like, you're getting feedback in a video game all kinds of, in all kinds of ways. You're getting, you're getting a score, right? And that's feedback or you're learning about, you know, like some kind of data in the way that you play. Like you're trying to improve your time or, you know, those kinds of things, your success rates. Definitely like feedback that you should that you seek out and um, and like writing is no different in that like we're all we're all just trying to get better and, and writing is very personal um, it's a very personal thing that you're then sharing with somebody but it's it's good feedback to receive about like where you're at in your writing um, and how you might sort of like in, like like that might be a way to kind of like help reconstruct that scenario um, and help students understand where they where they kind of have like like blind spots in their writing. Have you found a good way to center collaboration in relation to peer review through online teaching? I definitely have like a, like the week before we do a workshop in my class, we will set norms like that where I have them read responding, really responding to student writing and um, shitty first drafts. Um, and so those are kind of two pieces that I ask them to kind of start with. And then I ask some of those questions, like what are, what is the best and worst piece of feedback you've ever received on your writing? Like set it up as like a Google doc that we all kind of go in and edit together and kind of like add our own, like sort of like contribution or expectations um, that I can then synthesize into some ideas for them as well. I feel too, like you've got to build a kind of a sense of community and trust between students. And so like asking them to post and reply to discussion boards is good, um, but also maybe like include kind of some fun stuff along the way if you can so like one of the like early on in the semester like the first discussion board assignment is to tell us about something new in a hobby that you have for example um, and students and post a picture of it um, and so students will engage in that um, sometimes also in the semester um, I'll have a discussion board where the assignment is to do something that makes you happy and like just post and again kind of like post a picture like something it doesn't you don't have to be in the picture but like do something fun tell us about it in the discussion board and give us a photo of it so students would be like i went to the zoo i you know hung out with like in a normal classroom right where you meet face to face students come in and some of them are on their phones or they'll have like those small conversations you have to recreate those 10 minutes before class starts like what that looks like when you open the door and you start letting students in how do you recreate that, right? I can recreate assignments and, and discussions in class as best I can, but how do, we, how do you recreate those 10 minutes where students are learning about each other? That I think is, is the, the key that I'm, I'm trying to find. Thanks Bryce, and thank you Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.